when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to the big events that are certainly going to move markets and cause comment. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means an update from Wall Street on how that bull run is going after the Fed rate rise, crisscrossing back to Europe to find out how markets are reacting to the Dutch election results and what it might mean for France. And has the Bank of England lost its cred in the city and indeed in the wider financial community? I'm joined on the line from Berlin by The Times correspondent David Charter and in New York by James Dean, our US business editor, and here in London to keep me company, Philip Aldrich, The Times economics editor and commentator. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. James, if we could start with you, perhaps. The, the Federal Reserve has duly raised the interest rate, but perhaps more noteworthy, though, is this clip we're going to play of what Chairwoman Janet Yellen said afterwards. Our decision to make another gradual reduction in the amount of policy accommodation reflects the economy's continued progress toward the employment and price stability objectives assigned to us by law. For some time, the committee has judged that if economic conditions evolved as anticipated, gradual increases in the federal funds rate would likely be appropriate to achieve and maintain our objectives. Today's decision is in line with that view and does not represent a reassessment of the economic outlook or of the appropriate course for monetary policy. James, what do you think that tells us about the future pace of rate rises and and how are markets likely to react to it, first of all? Uh, well, the initial reaction from the markets after the, after the decision was uh, was positive. We've seen stock markets have certainly been soaring since then. Um, there was there was a perception before the Fed um, published its decision that there might be more rate increases this year than previously predicted. So, if we go back to December, the Fed raised rates for the first time in a year and only the second time since the financial crisis. Uh, said then that they were projecting three rate rises in 2017. The, the first of these happened, obviously, in, in, in March. Uh, some were predicting it might happen later in the year. Um, but the fact that it happened a bit earlier than some were expecting made some brought some to believe there might be four rate increases. So what happened with the latest decision is that the Fed essentially confirmed what it said in December, that there would be three this year. And uh, as a result, uh, for example, stock markets have taken kindly to that and uh, and certainly shares are, shares are on the rise at the moment. Um, in, in the longer run, it's difficult to know what's going to happen. Um, one thing we still know little about, and this is something else that Janet Yellen spoke about, um, is the great uncertainty around um, President Trump and the White House's fiscal spending plans. So we are, the details are slowly, slowly kind of creeping through, although this has happened kind of after the Fed made its latest assessment of the economy. So um, at its next meeting, there might be more to, to, for the Fed uh, policymakers to chew on in terms of what, uh, what these big spending plans might, what effect they might have on inflation and what effect they might have on the wider economy. And obviously then also what kind of pace the Fed is going to have to make these rate hikes, whether it will stick to a further two this year or whether perhaps there need to be more. 
The um, it basically does seem to have started the end of the uh, era of low rates. What the central bank policymakers call uh, normalisation of uh, of uh, monetary policy, because um, you you've had in the UK as well um, the first dissent uh, on the monetary policy committee um, uh, in in about a year, just over just over a year. Uh, we've had one of the nine members uh, calling for an immediate vote rise, uh, rate rise. And um, you know the the markets uh, the pound rose on the back of that, which was an indication that uh, markets believed that uh, there could be earlier and uh, faster rate rises than than they were previously anticipating. So you're getting it in the in the U.S. as you're talking about, James, and and it's it's coming here. It feels like there's a there's been a sort of inflection point possibly in in monetary policy now. David, if I could bring you in here, of course, it's the same thing happened, isn't it? It came out from the European Central Bank and it said, in fact, they have discussed on the ECB the possibility of raising rates even before they end their bond buying programme. So it seems to be happening over there as well. Is that is that your view? Yes, it, it will be a little bit behind um, the uh, obviously the US and probably Britain. Um, for some very good external reasons. And, well, the main one is the French election. I mean, it would be bonkers, really, for the ECB to make a move um, before they before the French election has settled down. I mean, clearly, because the country could elect a president who wants to leave the euro. And uh, then, of course, all bets are off. But I think um, that once that's out of the way, there is this intriguing possibility that the first... Um, reversion to to rate rises, um, if moving from negative territory to zero territory counts as a rate rise, uh, could be even before the end of the what they call the the asset purchase program, which is slated to go on till December. It would be quite odd, wouldn't it, if they if they did that while they were still pumping so much money into um, into these asset purchases, the, effectively the quantitative easing program. Uh, but that's certainly what the markets thought was was happening. And if it's not going to happen before the end of it in December, then they're expecting the first possible rate change to come in December this year. Because you're, you're right that the language did change. It only changed subtly. And there was no guidance that a rate rise was actually really being considered. But they're talking about when they should now talk about a rate rise, if you like. And that was enough really to give a real bounce actually to to the euro and to, and to, and to shares da- david in the uh, i mean you mentioned the french elections but of course the german elections are in october i, th- I think and uh, it would actually rather suit the you know the german mindset and the bundesbank uh, hardliners to have a rate rise before the uh, german elections right. actually wouldn't it so, yeah, so it's... There, there are only hardliners at the bundesbank that's right <laughs> Um, and they have they opposed the extension of um, uh, quantitative easing. They have argued at every every meeting um, for the for the last um, year probably um, for a reversal of this um, negative rate uh, policy. And it, you're absolutely spot on. It would be it would be manna from heaven uh, it, for for German voters and for Angela Merkel especially um, if um, there were to be a, a a positive movement in ECB rates before it's actually September when when the vote is in in Germany. I don't think it. I think it's unlikely to happen before then, unless. Well, it's all about inflation, and of course, inflation in the eurozone has now 
just tipped above the target level, which is um, the target is, is to be just below 2%, and it's now just above 2%. But Draghi was very clear at his press conference that this um, is, is nothing, there's nothing indicating this is a sustainable uh, level at the moment. But, but the significant thing he did do was say that the era of concern about deflation is, is well and truly behind them. So putting all of that together, um, it looks like um, a rate rise at the end, possibly the end of the year or start of next year, because honestly, no one is expecting uh, any populists to win the German election. It's really only the French election where that remains a, a possibility. James, can I bring you back in here? I mean, listening to this about the possibility that we may begin to raise interest rates over here, you're further down the track uh, in terms of, of that development or that curve in the cycle. Do you feel, though, that some of the economic data that you've seen and is indeed coming out in the next few days, the, 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 the Philly uh, book, do you feel that there is a slight slowdown in the US or the momentum still there? I think if, if you take two things separately, um, uh, since the election, in terms of sentiment surveys, this be the small business sentiment, general business sentiment surveys and consumer sentiment surveys, um, they absolutely soared after the election to levels that kept on stumping economists. They couldn't quite understand why there was this kind of sense of um, confidence that had come across um, kind of individuals in the economy. Um, if you look on the other side at the Federal Reserve's kind of preferred economic reports, which have a lot less to do with sentiment and more to do essentially with hard numbers, um, then you kind of get a better picture, which is that, yes, the economy is is, is doing well. Not It's not quite, you know, these reports aren't quite as out there as the sentiment surveys. And what you begin to see now is a slight drop off in sentiment, be it uh, small business sentiment, consumer sentiment, still quite high, obviously still much higher than it was before the election. But um, it seems that the some of the early kind of um, positivity is beginning to feed through into the harder numbers. So you have, for example, uh, the Fed's uh, preferred measure of inflation is very, very close to its 2% target, same as the Bank of England's target. Um, so the Fed's preferred measure is at 1.9%. There's obviously a, a risk that it could go over that that might force the Fed to uh, you know, raise rates sooner than expected or, or more than expected this year. Although something interesting that, the Fed, uh, that Janet Yellen did say yesterday is that they, they seem to be of this opinion where if inflation did go above the target, then it's not such a bad thing if they believe it's going to come back down again fairly quickly. But anyway, so yeah, the, the harder numbers certainly indicating less kind of uh, bullishness than the sentiment surveys. But it's still, you know, the, the US economy is really roaring at the moment and um, it looks set to continue for the next year at least. David, over there in, in Berlin, or perhaps with a wider pan-European view, if they're talking about interest rate rises, or as you say, at least uh, putting them back into positive territory, a similar sort of picture, but just slightly further down the track uh, in, in growth terms than America, it would appear, from the Eurozone anyway. Well, I mean, the figures that we saw, the provisional figures, were that Eurozone growth was greater in 2016 than growth in the US. Um uh, for the first time since the crash, since 2008, uh, it only slightly bigger. I think it was it's it's 1.7 in the eurozone and it's 1.6 in the US, and that's a pretty astounding turnaround. You know, given given the the travails uh, of the euro and the struggles in some euro countries, but of course our vision of it is slightly dominated by the fact that Greece is still a bit of a basket case. Um, with apologies to Greek listeners, um, the good news is, of course, that Spain has, has, has really been turning around 
Um, France is still struggling a lot, um, but the, the Germans, the German growth is pretty solid. So um, overall, um, the, the, the growth picture is pretty positive uh, in, in the Eurozone um, uh, the, uh, going forward this year. And it, it's, it remains to be seen, um, well, the, the biggest risks to it, as aside from uh, Le Pen victory, uh, is, is, of course, Brexit, because, as I say, no one's expecting a major upset in the German elections. And by that, I mean that the only possible winners of uh, the only possible next chancellor of Germany is either Angela Merkel or Martin Schulz, who's a very mainstream uh, federalist, um, uh, pro, pro-European, pro-Euro um, candidate, uh, as we know. And then, of course, the Italian election, whenever it comes, possibly probably next year, uh, the, as things stand. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a pretty good picture for growth in, in the Eurozone. Would you feel as confident, Phil, about our own UK outlook? Well, we just had it downgraded. I mean, well, we had this year's growth forecast upgraded by the Office for Budget Responsibility alongside the budget, but then the subsequent years were downgraded. So it isn't, it isn't, uh, uh, there isn't an awful lot of future optimism. Um, obviously, this is all related to Brexit. So, you know, the the the, the Brexiteers will will say that this is just uh, the a continuation of Project Fear, um, and that we will see sunny uplands. Um, uh, I think someone called it uh, national renewal um, since Brexit. So perhaps we will. Um, but the sort of mainstream uh, consensus at the moment, for what experts know, um, is that uh, it's it's not going to. We'll be lucky to to match the eurozone uh, in 2018, um, and we're certainly going to be growing slower than the US then uh, on the mainstream forecast at the moment. Well, on that sunny uplands note, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we'll look at the Bank of England. And indeed. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's credibility. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? 
Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, as we all know, the Bank of England has broken a record, probably one it didn't want to, for having the shortest serving deputy governor in its history. Charlotte Hogg resigned after failing to disclose that her brother worked at Barclays. This is what she told MPs at a confirmation hearing. I didn't know what my brother did until I, I mean, I knew he worked for Barclays, but I didn't know what he did until I asked him so I could fill in the questionnaire. So that gives you a sense of how little we discuss it. But I am in compliance with all of our codes of conduct because I, I know that I helped to write them. Philip, unfortunate, but has the bank lost credibility over this? Yeah, there's a big uh, question mark over um, uh, over its credibility in terms of the governance of the organisation. I mean, there's been, you know, if you think about what the bank has been through history, it was a, uh, you know, very much a gentleman's club um, that uh, governed itself, uh, set its own rules, and and there was a, there was a sense that that uh, that sort of mindset in the bank had continued into the into the modern professional era, way beyond its uh, way beyond its um, uh, uh, life expectancy. So uh, they've had to they've they've had to make uh, reforms at the bank to improve their uh, their governance, to improve the sort of oversight of management, to keep people. In line, um, and one of these things, you know, has been, uh, you know, complying with these codes of conduct to make sure that all of the conflicts are properly declared. And of course, uh, Charlotte Hogg, as she said, there was one of the authors of the code of conduct, and yet she fell short of it herself. And then the the, the big issue then is that there was a there was a bit of a cover up, uh, almost. I'm probably overstating it, but um, the the court of directors. Um, and the governor effectively gave her a slap wrist and and that was it and then tried to go out there and defend her um uh it, it's very much a sort of technical piece of process uh that she's abused or that she, you know that she, she you know she misled the bank over but uh, you know because of the standards that the bank imposes on on commercial lenders it has to set and lead by example and um you know it's fallen short of its own its own standards here, and you know, to, to her credit, she did say, you know, I insist that I resign. So she didn't want this to to sort of hang over the bank and be a sort of lasting uh, cause of uh, trouble for you know the bankers were talking about declaring the hog defence if if ever they got hauled up for failing to disclose their conflicts. So um, you know they, they they're trying to trying to draw a line on the issue, but it, it, they're now facing a review again into their corporate governance, and there's there's massive sort of credibility. Uh, uh, um, investigation that needs to be done. Does it matter? Or, I mean, it's been a great talking point, and as you say, and often it's technical issues. We all understand that our brother has to work somewhere, and in fact, what he's one of four and a half thousand directors. In fact, there must be more Barclays uh, directors, in fact, than there are people working in their mail room throughout the entire organization. But that aside, when you're out in the market dealing every day, does it matter to those people, to the investors and the people who have to decide where to put their pension pots or their savings? The bank losing credibility, does that affect everyday decisions, do you think, in terms of mindset? No, I don't think it I don't think it does. I mean the, the I mean this particular instance I I don't think really does. Obviously it's it's really about standards in public life. Um and you have to you have to uphold those those standards. Um, had had Sherlock Holmes con- continued 
um, in in her position, it would have just made life very difficult because people could be constantly sniping from the sides. It wouldn't have really. I mean, you know, the operation of monetary policy would have continued. Interest rates would have been set. QE would have been done. You know, um, would have been a bit more tricky on financial policy because obviously that would be relating to supervision of Barclays, and people might one day say they got fair treatment or or they got you know pref- preferential treatment. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, obviously, it, uh, th- this is this is more an uh, an issue of principle and standard at the top of um, you know the and top of the regulatory yeah. tree, and and that and that and they have to set the standards and they have to lead by example. A quick thought from from you over there. First of all, James in in, in New York, they have Senate confirmation hearings. Could you see such a thing happening, or do you think they just turn around and say this is a fuss about nothing? Oh, it's impossible to know what's going to happen over here in terms of in terms of confirmation hearings and in terms of what President Trump's doing. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's not uh, in terms of credibility issues. The President Trump has certainly made his thoughts clear about Janet Yellen on the campaign trail, which was that um, he, he threatened that bad things would happen. I think that was his exact words. Uh, should um, the Federal Reserve raise interest rates, which they've obviously done twice since he has been elected and and once since he's been inaugurated. Um, Interestingly enough, um, he's had nothing to say about Ms. Yellen uh, ever since uh, the election, in fact. So that's uh, getting on for a few months now. Uh, He he used to take regular pot shots at her on Twitter and also the bank, uh, the Federal Reserve more generally. Miss Yellen did actually say yesterday that she had uh, met with the president, although she didn't give details about the meeting, apart from saying that it was brief. Um, She's also met with um, Stephen Nuchin, who is the uh, Treasury Secretary, said she had uh, useful discussions with him. So um, it's perhaps not not looking so bad for her. But there are some um, empty seats um, at the Fed at the moment, and there's also the question of uh, some people leaving soon. I think it's the the vice chairman is leaving next year. And correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but I think so also Janet Yellen is leaving next year. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, Stanley yeah. Fisher, the, the the number two, and Janet Yellen are both leaving, you know, in the first six months of next year. And so I, I, you get the impression that Trump is, you know, he, you know, she, She's clearly not going to be reappointed. Uh, Stanley Fisher probably won't be reappointed as well. I think there's he's you know there are there are three other positions that he's able to fill, um, and so the the, the makeup of the uh, the Fed board will uh, will change quite dramatically. So, but how will that makeup uh, affect policy? Other is he is he going to go for hawks who want to raise rates, or is he going to go for the dovish people? And his sound, the way he talks, he he sounds like he wants everyone to be a hawk. He wants raise rates. I mean, he he hasn't he didn't like Yellen because she thought she was helping uh, Hillary. Clinton by not raising rates, um, for example. But but someone has pointed out to me that, you know, tell me, give me an example of one real estate billionaire who actually wants rates to rise. Um, you know, so he may find himself sort of internally conflicted once again. I was actually speaking to an economist fairly recently, and um, we were talking about the, you know, what might happen to Yellen in 2018, or what, who might come in as the chair. And um, and this person pointed out quite clearly that all the people who were being considered for the next chair, and there are many, um, probably about five or six, um, they are all hawks. Um, and so 
this comment's raised the point to me is that why perhaps Donald Trump would actually want Janet Yellen to stay on because she's, you know, she's known for being quite dovish. And now that he's realized that um, uh, keeping rates lower might be a good idea, then why have a hawk come in instead? But um, as Phil said, I mean, in, in reality, having already criticized her a lot and also the fact that he's, you know, it's been his job to clear out much of the, uh, um, the former elite in the White House and wider Washington, um, it looks likely, as Phil says, that she'll probably go next year along with her, her vice as well. David, I just on, just going back to the sort of conflict stuff, um, it just it strikes me the the British um, the uh, the Bank of England has not has been pretty good, especially when you compare it recently to the ECB, which last year. Um, got in a bit of hot water when when one of their uh, board members went and gave a briefing to a hedge fund, uh, to a bunch of hedge funds, um, uh, about what they were going to do on policy about 12 hours before they told the rest of the world. And so these hedge funds went off and uh, made, a, made a fortune overnight just on their in, inside information, which, I mean, if that happened in, in, the, in the UK with the Bank of England, it would be an absolute out- outcry and people would be, you know, that, that people would lose their jobs over that. But nothing, nothing too bad happened at the ECB. It was quite astonishing. Yeah, it's a reflection, isn't it, that um, the, the board's, uh, made up of the different nationalities, which often have uh, slightly different views of standards in public life. Um, it, it, it's, it's true that the Bundesbank had last the last scandal at the Bundesbank was a, was a governor who had to who had to quit because he accepted um, a free weekend break that was worth eight thousand euros from from a from a German bank, and that was in two thousand four. And, and it was literally the coverage was apocalyptic, as if the sky was going to fall in. So you can see that you know some countries obviously hold their hold their their bankers, their politicians to higher standards than others, and that's yeah. that's always that's not going to change in 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 Europe, I think, uh, uh, um, you know, for a long time. Well, I'd just like to assure everybody that we maintain the highest standards here, don't we? And thank you to all. That's just about it for now. But uh, remember, you can keep up to date with uh, the events we've been talking about and all the company results are on your phone, the tablet, and in the paper. If you'd like to become a subscriber and you aren't already, go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you do sign up, you'll be able to get access to the free morning and lunchtime business emails. If you want to hear us weekly, then do subscribe through iTunes and do feel free to post your comments. My thanks to Philip Aldrich here in London, keeping me company over in Berlin, David Charter, and all the way from New York, James Dean. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. Thanks for listening and please join us again next week. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.